right, well, good morning again, everybody. Would you do me a favor? Welcome our first-time guests today. We just want to celebrate them. Um, if you came in today and, and didn't get a gift bag, please uh, stop by in the back. Just let us uh, give you a little gift bag, our way of saying thank you for joining uh, with us for service. Today, we are wrapping up a series um, called Creed, and um, I've been taking some weeks and going through a set of essential beliefs for the church. Now, I didn't come up with these. These have been around for almost 2,000 years. And it was a set of beliefs that the church used. They would gather together and along with their music, along with their prayers, along with the scriptures, um, they would quote and share a set of early, early Christian beliefs. Don't worry, it's all about Jesus predominantly. Um, it has to do really with three significant I believes. Um, I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. But as I was preparing for today's, I realized there is a fourth, and it is, I believe, in the church. And I think that's significant, that the early church realized they needed one another. They realized that their faith wasn't an island unto themselves, that they didn't somehow come to know Jesus and just enjoy that for themselves, but they realized the significance of being what's called the body of Christ here on earth. And so I want to spend a few moments um, reading this portion of the Apostles' Creed. Now, I have tweaked some of the words because I know uh, locally some of these words uh, may not trigger you, but have some background for you. So I've kind of taken the liberty um, to, to change a couple of these words. Um, but it is this. It's, it's, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The two top lines are where we're going to spend some time today. The basic premise is this. I believe in the church. I believe in the global church. I believe in the denominational church in all its varying degrees. And I also believe in the non-denominational churches in all their varying degrees. And I think it's significant for you and I to remind ourselves again that we are at our best. We may not feel at our best, but we are at our best when we're in a local body of believers, when we're part of a local church, when we gather together. There's something about the power of a private devotion, a power of a private life with God. Amen. We want you having that quiet time or that loud time, however you do it, privately. But there's also something significant about gathering together corporately and being in relationship. That phrase, the communion of saints. It's a reminder that, man, we are imperfect. Not that we needed that reminder this week, but it's a reminder that we're imperfect people following a perfect God and that we are better together than we are individually in our own strength and in our own abilities. And I think in culture today, um, I think there's no better time to be part of a local life-giving church. And um, I was reflecting on something. Nicky Gumbel is the gentleman's name. He founded what's called Alpha. It's the Alpha Course for seekers or people intrigued by God, but still learning what that is. It's, it's, it's an Alpha Course, and it's set up. It's a global 
um, a global network and an experience that's offered in local churches. And he quotes, he says this, he says, um, there's no perfect church. He said, there's no perfect church. So you need to get over it. Find you a church and help it become more perfect. That's the reality. That's the reality of it. And today, um, I'm excited. I want to talk briefly about the birth of the church, the birth of the Christian movement. And that could be a series in and of itself. But I want to look at two pieces to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is a significant, significant chapter in the book of Acts. It is the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit. I spoke last week about the Holy Spirit. Well, we see it in real time in Acts chapter 2. Um, the apostles and others, about 120, were gathered. Some of them had just seen Jesus ascend into the heavens. And he gave them some instruction. He said, hey, check it out. Go to Jerusalem and wait. How many of you just love waiting? Come on. It's your favorite theme in the Bible. Waiting. Patience. Well, the apostles were in the same flow. They were, they were waiting. But here's what they did. They continued to gather together. And when they gathered together, they would pray. And they would seek the Lord. And they would make the journey not far from where they were gathered to the synagogue in Jerusalem to hear the scriptures, to join together and to pray and to confess their sins and all the things. But one significant moment, they were praying. And let me just ask you, have you ever had those moments you're praying and then God shows up. Like, you know in your mind God was there the whole time. But then like, oh my goodness, he actually showed up. Like, oh my goodness, I need to change clothes and do my hair. Something changed. Like, God's here. You know what I mean? You don't need to do that, by the way. But you know, you know, it's almost like the felt presence of God. Share a quick highlight. That happened uh, at the school my daughters go to this past Friday. Y'all, they bumped chapel from a Thursday to a Friday. And they brought in uh, Lipscomb University, um, some of their students, a choir, just a traveling choir, was there to minister. And the chapel started at like 10.30. And here's the cool thing, it went to like 3.30. Um, they missed all their classes. They worshiped, they prayed. The Holy Spirit showed up, lives, children, kids were saved. I mean, committing to Christ, asking for forgiveness for the ways they had treated one another. That was just remarkable, remarkable. I'm over there at Sellersburg, Hope Coffee, getting my coffee order on, and I just was reflecting on it, and I'm so glad nobody else was in the coffee shop, because I turned around, and I just started, like, weeping all by myself, not with excitement about my latte, although that could cause me to weep. I was just thinking, thank you, Lord. You still show up. You still do amazing things. Well, Acts chapter 2, this is about to happen. And so we'll bring some scriptures up, but it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Violent wind, that's a different sermon series. I mean, not just the calm, gentle breeze. I mean, a violent wind, the Holy Spirit, came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Wow. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were some in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, they were like, whoa. A crowd gathered together in bewilderment. 
Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Isn't that just like God? Pentecost, a festival celebrated in the Jewish tradition. People from all the neighboring countries gathered in Jerusalem. So they were foreigners. The Holy Spirit shows up, enables people to speak in their foreign tongue. And, you know, just, just kind of like a minor altar call, 3,000 people came to Christ that day. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Like, there's no way they knew our language. And then how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? Holy Ghost. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Let's continue. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Incredible. Amazed and yet completely perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. You ever been around somebody with too much wine? <laughs> Me neither. And uh, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Peter, unworthy, unworthy Peter, foot in his mouth, Peter, the one who denied Christ three times a short 50 days earlier, Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is here to explain what they are seeing and experience. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the First Testament. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Such a rich, powerful, packed series of verses, series of events. And if you're wondering, does God still send His Spirit today? We believe He does 150%. And we believe in corporately, God will send His Spirit. I also believe in the still, quiet places you spend with God. He will visit you with His Spirit. And here's what I always love to encourage people. The Holy Spirit isn't all about you. It's about God moving through you. And that's what we believe as a church because here's what we see. When the Holy Spirit came, they didn't just camp out. The verses that I won't be reading, you can on your own time, all the significant portions of Peter's preaching, the first sermon ever preached, and Peter preaches, and 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. 3,000 people hope in the Lord. And the church 
has traditionally taught, and I, I believe it as well, I perceive it as well. This is the birth of the Christian movement, the, the movement that has been going on for 2,000 plus years. The birth of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and then the birth of the church. Now, I want to skip to Acts chapter 2, the bottom portion, verses 42 through 47. This is also significant because this is the life of the Spirit. We've seen the power of the Holy Spirit, and I pray in your personal life that you will encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to know more and be prayed to encounter that? You can come up after service with our prayer team. Just say, man, pastor's preaching the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd love to know more about that. I'd love to lean into more. We'll pray for you on that. But here's, I think, equally as significant is the life of the Spirit in the everyday believer, the everyday follower of Jesus. We believe Jesus doesn't make your life better in the sense, like Josh was saying, there are mountains and valleys. We do believe in that. But we believe, we believe that a life enabled by the Holy Spirit following after Jesus has far fewer regrets, has far much more hope and peace. It's it's, it's part of what God does. And so here's what happens. Here's like the early church doing their thing, okay? Verses 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. I love this because here's, here's the temptation. You may not have been tempted yet, but you will be. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Podcasts, social media memes, stories, videos, reels, good old message series. Man, it's so good. It's so good. But you got to do life with other people. It's not just about, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They went and got their master's degree, their doctorate, and then they went back for another master's degree and a couple more doctorates. Information, information, hear me, vital, vital, vital. But you need the body of Christ. They devoted themselves not only to the apostles' teaching, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Like, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but you know, you don't like showing up to every potluck dinner you've been invited to. But you also know that when you do show up, it's not the chili, it's not the desserts. You had one conversation where you cracked the door open to being known. You struggle with that? I struggle with that too. Could you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you. Hey, could we hang out? Could we get... There's a moment, there's something that happens. That happens in a significant portion that the early church lived. The fellowship, the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Yes, not all of the same opinion, but they had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. A couple last verses. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. The birth of the church. The birth of the church. The start of the church. The movement that you're like, man, I just got dragged here. I don't know if I'm in or out. That's fine. If you're in, though, to a local life-giving church, know that 
We're not unique. Know that God's been doing this thing for over 2,000 years. And know that we're not perfect. And if you go on a search, you'll find no church is perfect. But we are on a mission to be as healthy and Christ-like as we possibly can be. And we pray and hope the same for you as well. But God has been working through the church for centuries and now for some 2,000 years. It's remarkable what He has done. And I uh, love to just remind people or share some perspective. There's a chance this may help you finish well in your faith. Let me share a just a just little, little rabbit trail. You okay with a little, not a long, it could get long, but I'll try to keep it little, rabbit trail. I call this perspective. You need the right perspective when it comes to fellowship and the church. And <laughs> I love it. I even have it on this slide, perspective. Keeping four things separate, yet unified. Jesus Christ, Christianity, the Bible, the church. You need to keep four things, if you will, not in a bad tension, but in tension together. Jesus Christ, perfect Savior. But you have been convicted of sin, or you've been experienced and touched by the love of God. That's the work of Jesus Christ. Also the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, how about that? Also the work of the Father, God. Moving in your life. Doing amazing things. Drawing you unto Himself. That's the work of God. Now Christianity, some of you may not like this, but it's a religion. It has been in movement now for 2,000 years. But it's a religion with teaching, with tradition, with disciplines, with sacraments, with practice. And when Christianity is at its best, it's revealing Jesus. All right? Two other areas. The Bible. Holy Scriptures revealing the story of God. Giving commands and wisdom for life. And here's the main theme of the Bible. You guessed it. Jesus. Then you have the church. The movement of people following Jesus to witness, serve, love, and participate in God's kingdom here on earth. Made up of humans, faults, successes, and it all. Here's what can be an excuse for some people for staying away from the church. We can be that excuse. But many times... They elevate the church to such a place that they make some statements like, the church is filled with hypocrites. Hey, let me just share something with you. Your own family is filled with hypocrites. Like, like, if you voted the last several elections, I hate to break, some of you are going to start crying, get your napkin ready. Your political candidate is a straight up hypocrite. He made a million promises, or she made a million promises. And man, we're lucky if they kept five of them. And so here's what's wild. One of the tactics of the enemy is he starts whispering in your ear. Oh, man, it's filled with nothing but hypocrites. Say, absolutely. 
but I'd rather die going to a place filled with hypocrites, focused on Jesus, than die not knowing a thing about fellowship, the power of the church, community, relationship with others. That's not an excuse for church practice to be abusive, toxic, or negative. No, no, no. You hold that standard way high. Don't misread me on that. But the little fractions you at times feel in your very own family, extended family, workplace, sports teams, community, life engagement, those little things you feel, you will from time to time feel that in the church. But let's be real, you ain't giving up on your family. You're on your knees praying for them, quoting scriptures over them, prophesying over them, doing the Acts 2 on them. Holy Spirit, get them. <laughs> you can do that for your brothers and sisters in Christ in the local church. I found it's hard to stay bitter towards somebody I'm on my knees praying for. I mean, that bitterness has a timeline. It'll end when I'm on my knees blessing them, praying for them. Man, I can't believe we let that come between us. Man, forget that. Fellowship was something devoted to. It's important as believers that we commit and test these passages. You know, one of the things I love to invite us all to do is continue practicing your faith. Just like lawyers are practicing, just like doctors are practicing, just like teachers and those in authority are practicing. As Christians, we didn't arrive perfect. Some of us are infants in the faith, some of us are seasoned believers in the faith, and some of us are in the blend in between. But we all need to be moving in a similar direction that we're after who God is and what He is into our life, and that we'd be willing to continue to be surrendered to Him. Remember, Carl Jung, a famous psychologist, he made a great statement, which I think is apropos for our day and time. And it's going to come to me in three, two. Come on, you communicated. You ever step into a quote and, and leave it behind there? Where are you at, Carl Young? All right, all right. Here it is. It's really good. Y'all like, brrr, all right. Busyness is not only of the devil. Busyness is the devil. And he said that decades ago about a society distracted, distracted. I can promise you these early believers had distraction left and right. But they knew there was something sacred and supernatural about being part of a local life-giving church. And let me just say that. For all who have been hurt, wounded, entered seasons of disappointment, and dare I say depression at the hand of the church. I've been there. And I don't make light of that. Some of the hardest days I've ever experienced have been in the hands of church people. Some of the hardest days I've ever seen my parents walk through, Kelly's parents walk through, have been at the hands of the church. But here's the thing. You have the Holy Spirit with you. And I propose to you that it may be on the other side of a growing intimate relationship with God something that he's drawing you into through the hurt, through the pain, through the disappointment, through the discouragement, do you know that those very things that have tried to cut you off, 
tried to break you down may be the very things God uses to elevate your relationship with Him. And through intimacy with Him and remaining steadfast in a local life-giving church, healing. I can't tell you when. I can't even tell you how. I just know that the Holy Spirit is the one who heals and can make us whole. And that Hebrews 10.25 is an encouragement for our soul to be believers and to not forsake, not forsake the gathering, the fellowship of the saints. We need one another, especially in this day and time. We need one another like never before. I failed to say this at the beginning of the message. You know, we've combined services, but I'm preaching like I got two services, okay? So I'm halfway through today's sermon. And, uh, and all the new guests went into a panic. All right. I'm going to close because as well as the Holy Spirit being appropriate, how appropriate on this glorious day that Kona Ice is pulling in in just a second for us after service. Some of you have always wondered, you've been seeing the YouTube and uh, you've thought to yourself, wow, these polar plunges, they seem incredible for our health. We've got a free polar plunge for you after service with Kona Ice, 60 degrees, you're welcome. Let me end, let me end, let me end. In a simple way, in a simple way, but let me hi highlight two ways people participate with the church. You'll, you'll remember these. You don't even have to write them down. I'm just going to look at my notes so I don't forget them. Okay. <laughs> two separate ways. Consumer, contributor. But I want to I I teach this a little differently than you may have experienced. You need to be a consumer for a season. Or five. Your arrival in a local church, you may have experienced such deep pain, such hardship, such disorientation from your life, let alone your spiritual life, that it's just the right amount to arrive and to breathe deep at the presence of God and to leave. It's important to become healthy, er, <laughs> to become whole. Er, to be strengthened through scripture, through messages, through encouragement. But consumer is part of the process of the local life-giving church. But as we read earlier in Acts chapter 2, after they consumed, if you will, the Holy Spirit in their lives, they began contributing in remarkable ways. And I just want to encourage you as the time draws near, decide, I can't be there yet, but I know that I'm headed to becoming a contributor in a local life-giving church. And it's fun to experiment with it. You can go to your calendar, maybe that's in your kitchen, put a big old star by it, bring your spouse, bring your kids over and circle November 15th. Listen, guys, we've got 30 days, and then we're going to start contributing. And I don't even know what that looks like. You can do that for yourself. You can begin investigating ways to contribute. You don't have to join necessarily one of the teams locally here. You can just say to yourself, hey, from now to the end of the year, I'm going to show up with 20 bucks cash in my pocket every Sunday. And during worship, I'm not going to be distracted the whole time, 
but I'm going to find somebody to bless with 20 bucks. That's contributing. Or you could show up with a pre-designed list of encouraging phrases and show up and say, all right, God, who can I share these with? And just walk around contributing, inspiring, praying. Whatever that looks like, it's a beautiful thing when we begin leaning in. Because the local church is strengthened by your participation. And listen, I know you want to be like, I don't know if you want, us, want me participating. You might be right. But there's coming a time when we do want you participating. All right? Listen, I ain't going to throw off differentiation and being self-aware. No, keep that in your mind. But here's the, here's the deal. Movement towards contributing. And I've known, I've known, if you're wondering, man, when will this wilderness season end? Might be a chance. It isn't a blanket statement, but it might be. This wilderness season may end when you take the faith step to going all in and being a contributor. Here's the deal. Paul would frame it. Hey, milk is needed as an infant, but ribeyes are most needed as an adult. And so spiritually speaking, milk, that consuming, you've got to have it. I never try to rush people through a consuming phase of church life. No, consume, 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 consume. Get healthy, get whole, continue to fill yourself up with spiritual nutrients, so to speak. But look to contribute. Ask the Lord, how are you calling me to give? You know, we frame it in three ways. We encourage people, your time, your talent, and your treasure. When those three pieces are activated, you take one of those away from my life, whew, I get discouraged quick. I got to have all three rolling around because it keeps my spiritual life active. And here's the thing, it keeps my faith active. Like some, sometimes it's easy to give them my time. Sometimes it's easy to give them my talent. On rare occasion, it's easy to give them my treasure. No, I'm kidding. Faith, faithful and treasure. But I'm saying there are times where the faith has to continue to remain be activated. Like it's, it's easy to sing that awesome new song, I trust in God. Just sing it on a Sunday. But how many of you know God's wanting us to trust him in all of our ways, in all of our life? Amen. The plane has landed. The exits are to your left and right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you may stand. No. Let me bless this time and we'll close. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God. Here's the deal. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that though we have some essential beliefs, we didn't walk into a belief system. We walked into a relationship with you. And Father, even at times where our mind is catching up with some of the beliefs we hold and the, the church holds and calls essential, even when our mind is catching up, you never hesitate to walk into a relationship with us. And so we thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we believe in you, and we believe in your activity in our lives. And Lord, I know it. Someone here just needs to hear again. God loves you. God loves you. God sees you. You've been in a hidden place You've been feeling like you've been left behind in the background of life. And I tell you, God's with you, been with you the whole time. And listen, God never wastes a season. Now, you may think you've wasted some seasons. You, th 
may think you wasted even some decades of your life. Can I tell you? Not with God in the mix. He uses it all. He uses it all to transform us and to help transform others. God loves you. If you're here today, just with our eyes closed, love to give you this moment with the Lord. You can get right with God right now. The last portions of the Apostles' Creed are something we truly believe and we love to proclaim that your sins are forgiven. Like sometimes you just got to hear that. Your sins are forgiven. And that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right where you are, call upon it. Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, heal my heart. I open the door of my life to you. Reside in me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.